The trick is to intercept a space shuttle that is zooming back from Mach 25 from 17,500 miles an hour and intercept it at a specific point 40,000 feet above the ground just a few miles away from the dry lake bed runway at Edwards Air Force Base where she will touch down. That probably sounds pretty hard in its own right, doesn't it? I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at kathysullivanexplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to kathysullivanexplores.com. The year is 1981. The very first space shuttle mission landed successfully in April, and preparations are now underway for Columbia's second flight, slated for November of that year. I am thrilled to learn that I'm assigned to fly in the chase plane that will accompany Columbia on her final approach to the ground. Piloting our T-38 will be Navy pilot and fellow astronaut Hoot Gibson. My job, sitting in the seat behind Hoot, is to get a photographic coverage of the entire bottom of the space shuttle, every single thermal tile, so that the engineers can tease apart what bits of damage happened on launch, what problems may have occurred during the time on orbit, and differentiate that from any damage the debris on the runway may kick up. The trick is to intercept a space shuttle that is zooming back from Mach 25, from 17,500 miles an hour, and intercepted at a specific point 40,000 feet above the ground, just a few miles away from the dry lake bed runway at Edwards Air Force Base, where she will touch down. That probably sounds pretty hard in its own right, doesn't it? But one minute before we intercept Columbia, she'll still be miles and miles away, probably about Mach 3. So she'll zoom past us without our even seeing her. How do you solve that problem? Well, the answer is we work with Air Force radar controllers that manage the airspace around Edwards Air Force Base and who are skilled at providing a chase airplane with the kind of cues needed to intercept another craft at a chosen point in space and time. To pretend to be a shuttle that we can practice against, we take another T-38 out with us to Edwards Air Force Base. Hood and I climb in our airplane, climb up to 40,000 feet, and set up a racetrack-shaped oval holding pattern, oriented about 90 degrees to the pathway that the shuttle will come in on. And our companion T-38 drives out along that approach line, turns around, and heads towards the runway, pretending to be a space shuttle. It can't really do that very well, of course, because it can't go a whole lot faster than we can go, 
or any much higher than we can go. So the flaw in this simulation, every simulation is lying to you in various ways, the flaw in this simulation is that we can see the aircraft we're trying to intercept one, maybe even two minutes before we reach the intercept point. We can tell while we're still in the holding pattern before the radar operators give us our cue. We can tell about when we ought to break out and start aiming to rendezvous. It's kind of like if you're in a car coming to an intersection and you see another car on the crossing road. You can pretty quickly tell if you're both heading to the same point at the same place and will arrive at the same time. That's what we could do with our fellow T-38. We could tell where they were going to be and adjust accordingly. On the real landing day, when it's really Columbia coming in, we were going to have to rely completely on the radar operators. We did come up with one way to help us recognize and deal with our flawed simulation, though. That was, again, to ask a favor of the Air Force. The Air Force's SR-71 Blackbird reconnaissance planes are incredibly sleek and fast. They fly super high. No one can tell you how high it's secret. And they fly faster than Mach 3. And a squadron of them operates out of Northern California. So we arranged with the Air Force for one of those aircraft on its return to California from whatever mission it had been doing, just as secret as the altitude and the speed. We arranged for that Blackbird to cross two different points at a specified altitude and a specified speed, arrive at our intercept point at an altitude and speed closely matching what the shuttle would be doing, and let us join on it, let us intercept it and fly formation on its right wing. A minute before that intercept, there was no way we would be able to see that Blackbird. She'd still be way too far away. Now, I had grown up seeing Blackbirds occasionally at big air shows, they're spectacularly sleek, almost kind of ominous-looking airplanes, long and jet black with a big delta wing, two gigantic engines. And instead of one vertical fin that carries the rudder like we know on airliners, blackbirds have two set far apart out by the engines, and they tilt inward towards the center of the airplane. It's this crazy, almost sinister, menacing-looking plane. And the thought that I would now be flying... Close formation right alongside it was really, really exciting. So come the appointed day, Hoot and I climb out. We get on our holding pattern. We're listening to the radar controllers. They can see the Blackbird. They know where she is far, far out over the Pacific. And they start to give us our cues as she comes streaking in. And the next thing I know, in sort of the twinkling of an eye, there she is and there we are. Hoot skillfully puts us right on her starboard wing and we're now flying the broad, arcing, descending pathway that mimics what the shuttle will do on landing day, heading down towards the lake bed runway at Edwards. The SR wasn't going to actually touch down on the lake bed or stop, of course. He was just going to do what we call a low approach, get down to maybe five or ten feet above the runway, then push the throttles forward, climb on out, and head off on whatever his next task was. As he was pushing the throttles forward and about to head off somewhere else. We didn't know at the time what was next for him. He told us that he was going to hop over to the nearby Palmdale Air Force Station and practice some touch-and-go landings. And better yet, he invited us to come along, stay in formation and come along with him if we wanted to, and follow him through all those formation landings. Well, this was a super extra treat. So there we are a couple thousand feet above the desert of Southern California, 
a little bitty white T-38 on the right wing of a really very large black bird crossing over the few miles between the lake bed and the Palmdale airfield. And we managed to follow Blackbird through the pattern, down for a touch and go. But man, when he pushed those throttles forward, we just about needed to go to afterburner to keep up with him. He just like leapt off the runway and was running away in front of us. The other really cool thing is he told us he was going to do a simulated engine out touch and go, which means he was going to pull the throttle on one of his engines all the way back to idle and leave the other at the setting needed to fly through the air. Boy, that was the strangest look I've ever seen. Because when you do that in an airplane, if you have one engine out, the other one's still running, you've got to put a lot of rudder in. You still want to go straight ahead. You don't want the good engine to be turning you around in circles. And when that guy put all that rudder in to control the airplane and keep it straight, those two canted, those two tilted fins made the strangest picture you ever have seen in your life. I think that was about his fourth touch and go. Then he said, sayonara, went into afterburner and disappeared in a heartbeat off into the western sky. I've always loved watching the red-winged blackbirds around my home in Ohio fly along and light in the bushes. They're wonderful to watch. But I got to tell you, that blackbird that I got to fly alongside that day long ago in 1981, that will always be my favorite ever blackbird sighting. Talk about something on your life list. That's on mine. Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplores.com.